And in this episode of Hysterionics, Neil and I explore people experience or employee experience. What is it and why is everybody going on about it? I'm a little mean towards HR and thankfully we have a special guest who can add intelligence and clarity to the subject in hand. Hello and welcome to Hysterionics. I'm Tom Crawford, as per usual, in a cupboard in a forest in France. And I'm Neil Griffiths, and I'm not in a cupboard in France. Um, I am in Harfield, East Sussex, um, which is very sunny right now, Tom. That's very nice, because it's absolutely pouring with rain in France, so let's move on. Um, (laughs) How are you, Neil? It's been a while since we've been together. I'm I'm on the whole good, I think, Tom. Uh, I'm not enjoying this kind of sunlight disappearing early because we're coming into autumn. Uh, we've been spoiled by the weather in the UK, I think, over the summer. So that's not good. Um, and also, interesting, my eldest, my, my little boy is suddenly going to university in a couple of weeks. So that's kind of pending, which is always a, a big milestone for a parent, right? Well, I don't know, because I don't know, because <laughs> my dogs have only ever gone to kennels. But it does make me feel old as well, because I can remember when he was born. So um, I, I nice. totally get where you're coming from. But I, I had a thought about you and I. Um, okay. Well, if you think that, I was thinking that Clancy and I are like the hinge and bracket of podcasting. And I thought, <laughs> I thought, I thought what, a, what a Neil and I. And I came up with, you and I are the saint and greasy of podcasting. That makes me feel old. Why? Well, saint and greasy is quite an old thing, right? I mean, you know. I thought you'd be impressed at my football knowledge. Uh, If you'd gone Ant and Deck or something, that would have been more useful. Yeah, but I don't know which one is which. But actually, I don't know which one is which in Saint and Greavesy either. So I just thought that, you know, (laughs) two old duffers that get together to talk about things. Anyway. For yourself. Yeah, I thought thought you'd be much more impressed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, if you've, you're dealing with the imminent departure of um, Firstborn, what else are you up to? Well, uh, several conversations with uh, some really interesting clients at the moment, um, which are, you know, they're kind of ranging from how you would re-onboarding talent into, the organ- into a workplace yep. and how do we make sure our kind of proposition as an employer reflects where we've gone since COVID kicked in. So, so lots of good conversations. Um, and I think things have changed a little given that kids have gone back to school and people are starting to get to the to- to-do list a little bit more. So I think things are starting to get a little bit busier. I think things are busier. I think people are asking for different things. Um, if I'm totally honest, I'm a bit zoomed out. I lost my mojo the other day in quite a significant way. And I think it was just because I had this sensation of okay, you've, you've been in coping mode for six months with reduced human contact, not being able to see your family, not being able to travel anywhere. And it feels like that's just going to continue endlessly. So I lost my mojo a bit recently, but uh, watching endless Netflix uh, for a day and giving myself a, the permission to do a, a mindful resilience day absolutely helped so and you and you got away right you did get away in uh on a on a short break has that helped it did so the good thing about buying the barbie bus is that david and i can jump in it and go traveling and not necessarily put ourselves at others at risk because we just camp in places with one of the dogs so uh, 
I shouldn't complain. But you know, you're feeling old about a milestone. It was 25 years last week to the day that I joined British Airways as a graduate trainee. Wow. I know. And 20, it feels like five minutes. And I, and I reached out to some of the guys that uh, I joined with because we're still in contact and an amazing bunch of people who've uh, gone on to do amazing things. Um, and, we're, you know, there was a huge amount of nostalgia. And of course, British Airways was where you and I sort of first really met. Um, and I know people will think that I served you a cup of coffee in row, <laughs> row six, but that's not true. Um <laughs> Uh, we I have fond memories of British Airways working on, on many campaigns. And in fact, a, a great campaign for cabin crew at the time, which I really enjoyed. So I have very fond memories of working with British Airways. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a cool time. And the other thing that I did, uh, thanks to my good friend Sam Setti, was to speak to Mashup uh, on the future of work. Uh, Mashup is a, I don't know how to describe it accurately and fairly, it's a really cool gang of people, largely tech people, who get together to uh, share things, talk about things, uh, on, on a v vast range of subjects, not just to do with, with tech. But uh, knowing that I was sitting on a Zoom with tens of techie type people, my imposter syndrome went into warp factor 10 because... <laughs> Um, I was really worried I was going to screw up the Zoom and I didn't want to admit to them that I still haven't worked out how to use the Nutri bullet. And every time I try and switch on the Nutri bullet, it usually ends up in a cry of David. Um, you turned it, it on on the call while you were doing the actual meeting? No, just generally the Nutri bullet. Oh, yeah. for that. <laughs> I, did a, I did my first virtual awards evening the other night which oh. which was great and because i was a judge um for an awards and uh in the talent space and they they sent me a pack before the awards and it was a glass of wine did they send you oh i was gonna say i hope it was wine and food yeah it was wine and food it was really well done it was a half bottle of wine it was kind of nibbles there was other things in there and then um and they they ran it through zoom which was really difficult, but actually did a really good job. So, and it was really good being a judge on, um, in the talent space, a lot of RPO providers um, and seeing some really innovative work going on out there at the moment and, and looking through those submissions was really, uh, really good to see. So, but the, but the, the awards even was really strange and seeing people sitting there and their DJs, um, some people. Um, yeah, I was going to ask, what did you wear? Did you get dressed up? Did you, did well, you? Have like you know, your actually, dinner jacket on the top half and your pants on the bottom half, or is that just? Well, no, I I didn't. I, I I did have shorts on. I do admit, but I did have a shirt on for the first time for a while, and yeah. um, that was kind of liberating. Uh, Which shirt did you wear? Your blue one or your green one? Uh, I've got a white one as well, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> well, that's cool. It's just amazing what we can do via Zoom. Now, one of the things that we like to do with this podcast is take on and tackle things that are in vogue, things that everybody's talking about. And if you read journals and LinkedIn and uh, industry magazines and talk to people, there is one hashtag, one buzzword in particular that is very prominent, and that is employee experience. You know, design sessions, consultants, conferences, everybody's all over it. And I think in principle it's a good thing. So I'm not necessarily going to air my usual um, Victor Meldrew-esque cynicism. I think it's generally a good thing, but let me tell you what I imagine it to be. And then I think, Neil, you need to tell me whether you think I'm right or wrong, because I actually think okay. you'll know more about this than me. All right. So. Go for it. 
in order to talk about it, I think I need to talk about a beef I have with human resources, which has gone on for years. So, you know, grab a seat. This is going to be like a very bitter Jack Annoy. But this will help me explain what I think people experience is. So, on too many occasions, the HR department is just a bit like a job protection scheme for HR. And I think HR, and this is one of my COVID reflections, sustains processes and systems to justify its existence. Now, what, what do I mean by that? So, I mean, like, endless employee engagement surveys. I think employee engagement surveys are used largely a waste of time. Rigid performance management cycles, endless dull policies, which frankly only exist because they haven't done any work around the culture of the organization. So we are going to tell you what to wear because we are missing trust in our culture. You know, and then things like cafeteria benefits, you know, one size fits all when in that regard, people want to bring the equivalent of their own lunch to work because they don't want those one size fits all saving schemes or gym policies. So why, why do I say that? Because I think people experience or employee experience is a way to bring in marketing behaviors into HR. And I see this as having sat on a number of HR leadership teams and working with HR leadership teams over a long time. I think sometimes HR acts in a silo type mentality. So we've got pay and benefits, we've got learning and development, we've got recruitment induction, et cetera, et cetera. And actually people experience is a bit like a customer experience. So having mentioned British Airways, let me talk about the sort of airline brand model. You've got an airline product, you've got customer experience products, and uh, you've got somebody in charge of uh, airport experience, you've got somebody in charge of lounge experience, you've got somebody in charge of catering experience, in-flight entertainment, on-board uh, product, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and everybody delivers each of those specialities, but they are working together to a brand definition, a brand essence, a brand vision, which acts as a conscience or design mechanism for their own area of expertise, and they come together to make sure that they deploy everything that they do in a seamless way that feels fluid, and that you don't notice the gaps or the joins as a customer, and. I don't think HR does that. I think HR, you can have a wonderful onboarding experience, but then have a really crappy learning and development experience. Or you can have a wonderful recruitment experience and then have a really uh, good onboarding experience, but it feels like a totally different company to the one that you recruited. So very long-winded way of saying if people experience is applying customer experience thinking and mentality to human resources, I think it could be a good thing. Did any of that make sense? Lots in there, Tom. Um, but yeah, it does. And I think the idea of uh, people experience, employee experience being an opportunity, and it is a huge opportunity, but I think what you're getting at is it's only for the brave. Um, because if you look at the ideal state from both a company's point of view and an individual's point of view, that would be an interesting exercise in the first place to say, okay, what are we looking for here? What should the experience be like? Are you kind of, can you personalize that experience? What's it like today? What are the gaps? How do we prioritize all that good stuff? And, and where's the budget? But on the other hand, you know, you could come up with, uh, and there's a danger here of a one size fits all yep. um, across the whole piece. 
as you say, from that kind of moment of contact from the headhunter or a recruiter, or you go online and find out something about an organization, you know, from there on, you're treated like everybody else, even to the point that, you know, you, you go, your interview process, the assessment, you come through the door and it's not personalized at all. It's just somebody's very happy that they've managed to tick the boxes on the checklist that says, here's your induction. Um, and it doesn't feel very special in any way, shape or form, like the airline experience that you just mentioned, right? I love that. I love that. So the individualization. So what we're saying is, let's go back to airlines. It might be the same seat, but I can choose a different meal or I can choose whether I have wake up service or not wake up service. Or if I go to the lounge, I can sit in the busy zone or the quiet zone or the business zone. So it's individualized to suit my needs. That's Absolutely. what we're seeing. Okay. Absolutely. And, and cause you think, um, and I, you know, you could align this whole, you know, you're in the waiting zone to get onto the plane and, you know, you can get a drink, you know, if you're in a lounge, there's a different level of experience. The challenge here is if you, if you go into an organization at a different level, you know, are you going to therefore change the experience because you've come in as an executive or is it going to be of such a very different experience because you've come in at early, early level talent, a graduate, for example, you know, are they going to be personalized experience because your level, should they be different? Should they be the same? Okay. Should they be based on a similar kind of, you know, foundation? Um, I think there's something in there as well, right? Yeah, I, th I think it comes back right to, have we got marketing principles and design principles in HR? Because yeah. I, I do think that a lot of what HR deliver, even to the, the people they've got in HR and the functions within HR, I don't think we often say to ourselves, do we actually really need that? Or do we just have that function because everybody, other organizations got it? Do we really need pay and benefit? Why can't we just say to people, here's a sum of money that we're going to give you. You do what you want with it. Why do we need all of these different pay grades and benefits? And why do we need a whole team managing that? So is people experience just another excuse for HR to justify all the bits and pieces that they have in their toolkit? But is that is there a danger there, Tom? Is that it becomes an operational process as opposed to a feeling? There should be an experience to this because at the end of the day, when you walk through the door or you log on remotely as it is today, what is that experience going to feel like? And you know, as I say, if there's a process behind it and it's just about to, about the boxes, then it's all very different. So. You know, is it is because I've seen a lot of these roles advertised, as you said, there's a lot out there, people experience, employee experience. Some of them have talked about operational uh, responsibilities, policies, uh, regulations that are going to be met. I'm yet to see the one that actually leans more towards your points around marketing principles. That's really interesting, because if you think about it, and I'm going to really overstretch the airline metaphor. Um, and I think this is where British Airways and other customer service businesses went wrong. They focused on the product and not what you described the experience. And let me explain. They might have had the flattest bed and the plumpiest pillows and the juiciest prawns. Uh, but if it was thrown in your lap or not delivered in a way that made you feel special, it didn't matter that they were the best products. And maybe that's the same with people experience, which is we have a great induction experience and we have a great performance management system. But actually, where does the, the feeling, the day-to-day -day sensation come 
which is about culture and leadership. It's, you know, I don't give a damn if I've had an amazing induction if my line manager doesn't talk to me in the first three weeks of my work or talks to me in a way that doesn't make me feel valued or doesn't make me feel engaged or doesn't make me feel enthused. So how does that all fit together? Where, where does culture and leadership come into people experience? I think you're right. I think, you know, that a lot of this will come down to the line manager and the ability to make sure that they are switched on for when anybody joins their team. But also remember, we're talking about the whole experience here. So what about the people in the team? You know, if there's, if there's an opportunity to think about the airline, they can tell you, they can ask you a question about where do you want to go? Yep. And similarly, if people experience um, going through an organization, they're on a journey. There are different places they want to go. We know people aren't staying in role for long. How often are they asked, okay, so where would you like to go? I can give you some recommendations. I can give you, I can educate you. Um, but I think there's got to be a, a stage where that feeling the change in uh, requirements that you have from an employer is met by that employer. And therefore you enjoy the experience. You don't feel like you've got to leave. Right. Yeah, but what happens if you do want to leave? So for example, because I think this is one of the things that COVID has thrown at us, which is I don't want to the psychological contract of being uh, on the payroll or, you know, I'm a member of your organization. I just want to, I want to lease myself to you. I want to come and do some work for a period of time because it looks interesting and I think I can add value and manage me via service level agreement rather than performance management. I don't want the psychological burden of actually being in your system. So it's a bit like, uh, crikey, we're getting value for money out of this airline metaphor. I'm a member <laughs> of British Airways or Air France's frequent flyer program but actually I want to just take a different airline for one trip because it's easier or I just want to ring the changes, but I don't want to be burdened by all the membership gump of, of joining that airline but I, program, but I still want to be treated with respect. So I think this goes back to your original point around tailorizing or individualizing. I mean, think about how we buy cars. And uh, if you buy a new car, you go online and Clancy and I have talked about this, you, you tailor it. How do you tailor the people experience to suit your needs? I completely agree. I, and I think you should be able to do that. I think it shouldn't be a convoluted, complex experience to go through. And I think, you know, if you, if you leave an organization, they, they say to you, we look forward to welcoming you back, right? So, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a bit here where if you're off-boarded or you join an alumni program, it's not seen as a negative thing. There are so many organizations out there that, you know, somebody leaves and, and that's it. It's the end. They're scrubbed, done, next. I think this, this idea that the, the, the people experience from the moment they're contacted through, you know, the whole life cycle with an organization and whether they move to another role or whether they go somewhere else and kind of broaden their experience, there's nothing wrong with that. I still think there's a stigma on how people are treated when they leave an organization and the experience is tainted because, you know, they've resigned or they've seen an opportunity, they've gone. It hasn't been a you know, really good look, look forward to that, you know, enjoy and we'll, we'll see you soon. You know why? That's because organizations operate on a spectrum from club to clan to cult. So when you leave, it's like, you don't, you're not a member of our cult anymore instead of being a community. 
Uh, mm -hmm. So it's, you know, rather than creating brand fans for life, it's like, oh, well, you, you don't want to be part of our cult anymore. And I just, I think we need to have looser arrangements around uh, our relationship with the, the organizations that we work for. But I think you've probably met more of these people experience heads of uh, than I have. How much influence do they have inside the organization, do you think, Neil? Because can they, you know, like the brand manager, at an airline that says, this is my vision for the brand based on what customers want. This is, you know, you go away catering person, you go away lounge person, you go away airport person and design your process to that brand definition. Can the head of people experience or employee experience say that to learning and development, to recruitment, to uh, talent management? Is that how it works? Well, I, I actually think it's early days, Tom. I honestly believe um, that, you know, the broader opportunity that this role brings hasn't really matured in this role. Quite a sweeping statement, I know, but I still think there's a piece here which focuses on uh, the policies, the kind of onboarding updates, the, the flexible work or the remote working experience today, uh, how you got your computer plugged in, have you got the desk, um, you know, what L&D is available online, scramble to find out the right pieces that are available. The environment change, the redesign there, there's a bit of that involved, but not enough. Um, and it's about, you know, scrambling through technology and, and, and that side of things at the moment. I think it's less about working with those people across an organization that are responsible for culture, those who are responsible for, you know, the, the value proposition and you mentioned engagement and engagement, because I think if, if it's more on that side of the house and there's more of an opportunity to work with those heads, then you start to get some feedback results, pulse surveys come through that start to shape and inform you of what the people experience is like. Uh, and then you can start to act on that. But I don't think there's enough conversations with people in an organization today that says, tell me about your ideal people, people experience, your ideal experience through an employer, and then we can personalize and tailor. I think it's much more at the top level at the moment, which is we just need to create one and we're still working out what it looks like. Okay. I see benefit in that role. I see if that person can say, okay, Mr. or Mrs. Recruitment, what, what impacts or what sensation, what vibe, what feeling does your recruitment process leave the candidate with and what does that feel like compared to the induction and what does that feel like compared to the day-to-day -day experience that's delivered by our leaders if they are in charge of the overall sensation the overall brand delivery with an appropriate amount of tailoring that could be really good my fear is uh and this could be my gerald ratner moment hr is notoriously territorial you know in two ways having been a non-traditional HR person in HR around the HRLT uh, looking at people's strategy culture engagement those types of things there is often tissue rejection from the more traditional areas of HR that sort of have a oh but darling you've never really done a pay review now have you or <laughs> Um, yes, but he's never really sat through a union negotiation or lived through 48 CIPD conferences. So, oh dear. Um, and within that is uh, uh, also a, an element of territorial, which is, what do you know about L&D? Don't talk to me about L&D. I do L&D and I develop it 
uh, in best practice around what's market best L&D. Okay, well, that's great, but do we actually need an L&D function? And to your point, do we take it all online? And rather than comparing how we build our L&D function to everybody else so that we can possibly win an award in Harrogate is actually, what do our people want from L&D? So, so I see a real value in that role, but I'm worried that there will be tissue rejection from HR. Yeah. But do you think, so you're saying that the people experience role should sit outside of HR? Ooh, that's an interesting one. Potentially. And is it, is it an opportunity to turn HR on its head as a result? Yes, because I, yes, um, to cement my Gerald Ratner moment, I think HR is too full of people who don't intuitively understand other human beings. And I think there are some fast, fantastic people sitting in marketing and IT and strategy and finance who do intuitively understand human beings and engaging them and should have more influence over the people agenda. Um, yeah, go on. Okay, so how do you measure success? Oh, kind of right. a sports question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, don't give me a sports question. Because um, you know how that will end. I th how do you measure success? I think you can measure success, but uh, you won't start to measure success until once and for all, genuinely, authentically, tangibly, the link between your people and your business performance or your brand performance is unarguably apparent. And I know you go into every organization and every organization will say, you know, people underpin our success and we are nothing without our people. And, but the minute the budgets get started, get put on the table or the minute there's need, there needs cutting or the minute that there's remote stress, any sense of let's invest in our people or do the right thing by our people is the first thing to go out the window. So measurement for me will be when an organization truly sees its people agenda as uh, a line on its um, profit and loss sheet and sees a tangible financial return and lives their culture accordingly because I think people just pay lip service to it. So, so isn't this really, because you're talking about you've got to see the profit, right? So there's got to be a profit from this. Um, isn't this about discretionary effort? Isn't this about this holy grail right now that organizations are searching for of making sure that that extra effort put in by people that can really kind of push on an organization and improve performance? Is this role an opportunity to kind of measure or at least turn the volume up on that and show the return if you are looking at things like culture, engagement, brand, etc. Yes. To go back to your question of about three minutes ago is should this sit outside of HR? And I wonder actually if it's a brand role, if it's a marketing role. If you truly believe that great people serve great customers and you and I uh, live through British Airways, we live through Omnicom, the service profit chain, so it, it, we believe in it. But if you truly believe that great people serve great customers, delivers business performance, why wouldn't you have your a people experience manager sitting alongside a customer experience manager as part of the brand or marketing department? But then how do you influence HR? Because they won't listen. Well, maybe you're just, it's maybe you're just being, you know, harsh on HR. Maybe they will listen. And actually, maybe they'll get excited by that. 
Yeah, maybe. I, d- I don't disagree. But I still think so much of HR is built around structures and products and processes, which are the corporate B days. Every posh place needs them, but nobody's quite sure what to do with them. Well, the, the organization down the road has a department like that within HR. We'd better have one and we'd better have a better one so that we can win the prize. And actually, well, do we need it? What is HR? So this, this turns into a much wider conversation, but you said a few minutes ago, quite rightly, something like should HR not be turned on its head. And I agree. So the people experience manager head of conversation, I think he's actually a Trojan horse for a bigger conversation. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it'd be great to um, explore that further. And also the analogy, the kind of travel analogy, because here's a question for you. What airlines uh, strap line was life's a journey, travel it well? Pan Am? United. I thought you would have got that. Oh, damn. You should ask me a sports question. Um, <laughs> but because I think if you can, whether it's airline or hotel, I mean, you know, I kind of align this to hotels, that whole, the doors open for you as when you turn up, you know, let's see where you can go. There's a drink waiting for you at the check-in, you know, uh, sensors are engaged. You start to smell and feel the culture as you go in there, that whole onboarding process. And then, you know, the concierge does ask you, where do you want to go? You know, how can I recommend? I can educate you on a few elements here um, that are local. You know, would you be interested? So that's the whole enablement and development piece. And then the checkout does ask the question around, we look forward to seeing you again. Can I put some transport on for you to get where you want to get to? So I, I, I do like the travel analogy. I love the idea of an airline uh, customer, you know, design person with a, a maybe a hotel equivalent and HR sitting down looking at those processes and certainly you know the workshops that I've been involved in, in the past where you've kind of said all right what's current state in this experience what's where are we going to and how do we start to prioritize how we get there uh, become much more interesting engaging when you've got that kind of design facet that creativity from marketing around the side as well yep. and, and my fear about this and you expressed it really well, is it one, is it one size fits all? How, do, in a world where we, consumer experiences are so tailored and so individualized, how do we shape a people experience, an employee experience, call it what you will, which has the right level of adaptation for the individual within it? And I do believe that in order to make that happen, the role of HR needs to change. And I think that's probably six more podcasts in that one. We should probably talk to somebody that knows more about it than we do. That's a good idea. (laughs) So I want to welcome my special guest, Mr. Mark Ramsey, who is Head of Learning and Development. Is that correct, Mark? Yes, so I head up uh, Learning and Development for the International Division of CDK Global. And CDK is one of those brands you have never heard of, but you will touch every single day, especially if you drive a car. So uh, my understanding of what they do is they do all sorts of cool stuff with uh, car technology and car dealership technology. Is that very short overview? Is that remotely fair? That's pretty good, Tom. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we primarily work in the, definitely in the automotive space. We're helping the uh, big manufacturers and particularly their dealership networks to get better connected to their consumers, um, 
the car owners, um, just to drive a better sales and service experience for them. So chances are, yes, if you've bought a car recently using one of the main dealers, you will have come across our software package before. Cool. Now, just for the benefit of context and uh, thinking about people experience, how many employees do you guys have? So globally, we have about 9,000 employees. In the international division I look after, we've got about 2,000. Okay, cool. And you and I have been talking for a while, and I know that uh, in preparation for this podcast, you and I were talking about people experience and head of people experience uh, and what it means. And I know that you as an organization have been taking, I suppose what we would describe a people experience approach to your employees. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so I suppose there's a number of different strands to this. I mean, overall, our, our aim is to, to create much more of a positive people experience. I think it's the right thing to do. Um, I also think it makes commercial sense as well. Part of that is to crystallize and define what we mean by our employer value proposition. So why would somebody want to come and work for someone like CDK? Um, other things, I suppose, we, we, we need to pay close attention to plug in some of the gaps that drive that people experience. So, so whether it's things like engagement, whether it's things like well-being, diversity, inclusion, and people agendas like that, whether it's to address things like um, turnover rates of staff, attracting more of a diverse talent pool as well. And, and I think there's, there's a drive as well to get more cohesion between our frontline employees right up to our executive leadership teams. So there's, there's quite a number of things that are driving us to concentrate more on what a positive people experience would look like for our employees. And, and lots of, well, most organizations are doing those things, but quite often they do them in a separate not so joined up way so there would be different factions within the HR leadership team owning one or a number of those projects and they'd probably update each other around the HRLT table once a month or so but you're doing it in a joined up way and you're sticking it under this label people experience talk to me about that what 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 have you noticed what have you felt what is driving you to do that yeah, so interestingly, when listening to, to yourself and Neil have the conversation, you picked up on that point about who owns people experience. And I, and I think that's a really, can be quite a complicated question to answer. Traditionally, I think you'll have seen that, that HR and the people function will have been responsible for the process side of people experience. Mm -hmm. So if you can imagine a people journey or an employee journey from that initial stage of being attracted to come and work for a company right through to, to them leaving that organization. There are a number of key touch points that generally speaking, the HR function would be responsible for. So yep. whether that's the hiring process, whether that's the onboarding process, whether that's performance management, whether that's training and development, whether that's the talent uh, management process and the promotions um, process that we have, whether it's just general engagement initiatives and um, creating a more of a social environment for people to interact in. Traditionally, you would, you would associate those with HR functions. And I think that's sometimes where the issue lies right. um, in that, um, and you quite rightly pointed out, we can become quite siloed. So we can concentrate on our part of the process 
And we can get that right, but do they connect together? Yep. And do we cover off all of those touch points within that employee journey? So I've got an example of um, onboarding, for instance, um, and in a number of organizations I've worked in, who actually owns onboarding? Is it recruitment? Is it L&D? Is it the HR operations function? Yep. Sometimes it falls through the cracks. And I think by taking more of a holistic approach, uh, then you're able to cover off those gaps. So, so, where, so I totally agree. But where, where does the single point of accountability sit? So, for example, looking at the BBC this week, they are recruiting a head of people experience. For you creating your joined up people experience, is it about different ways of operating and behaving in HR and beyond? Or would you ever do the same as the BBC and recruit somebody as that ultimate focal point? I definitely think there's a place for a people experience manager, head of whatever you would like to describe them as. And, and partly it is so that someone or one single person can take that holistic viewpoint. I don't think this is just a HR function or a people function problem. I think, yes, HR owns probably most of the process behind it, but every function that has a touch point with an employee is part of people experience. So that could be finance, it could be IT, it could be your internal communications department. Um, it could be a number of other functions that we're talking about. But I think having one person who can break down the barriers between those departments and functions, I personally think is the right thing to do. So that person was a really good point around finance. So if my expenses are late and consistently late or I'm paid late, that is part of my experience as a colleague, as somebody who works for the organization, um, as much as, it, as is my onboarding process. So how would you see that role playing out? Would you see them as the police officer? Would you see them as the overall brand guardian of the experience, like Neil and I described regarding airlines and hotels? How, how, and would they sit in HR? <laughs> Great questions. Um, would they sit in HR first off? Probably yes. I think it's probably the natural home to put someone in like that into that place. Um, yes, I, I would ultimately see them as the custodians of, of the brand. Um, ultimately, people experience is about everything an employee experiences at work. So they need to, to be responsible for owning that. And then when you look at some of potential success factors that you'll be considering as part of this, um, you know, if, if you're being successful with your people experience, we're talking about high levels of engagement. We're talking about high levels of social interaction um, with employees across the business, whether that's through social media channels or whether that's through physical contact. You know, it's establishing communities uh, across the business where people can interact together. Uh, the, 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 the owner of people experience needs to be the owner of those success measures. I, I totally agree. I don't disagree. I suppose in, in my mildly anarchic head, I'd have them reporting out of HR, but then I think that would probably cause them some issues because I, I think the challenge for that type of role, that type of person is big enough sitting within HR because notoriously and traditionally, the different elements of HR have been somewhat territorial. And the issue for me is that 
in, in usual circumstances, the head of L&D thinks about delivering leading class L&D, the head of pay and benefits thinks about delivering pay and benefits, but they never have that together conversation, which is what does everything that we provide via our centers of excellence expertise, does it add up to a consistent experience? So for me, it's, it's not just a role, it's partly about shifting the mindset within, within HR. Is, how would you see it? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. The, the best parallel we can give is to, towards customer experience. Um, yep. and, and if you consider the um, customer experience process and the customer journey, replace the word customer with employee or people, and it's yep. exactly the same, I think. Um, yep. and, and if you look at a customer experience function with an organization, um, typically they, they sit outside of a major operational function. They, they will probably be standalone um, reporting into someone at that exec level. So maybe it should be similar for, for the people experience. Um, typically, I think when you, when you talk about customer experience, they are the ones who are influencing all aspects of the business to ensure that everybody in that organization puts the customer at the heart of everything they do. Um, I suspect the people experience person will be responsible for putting people at the heart of everything we do. There's, it's getting quite um, congested, I think, at the heart of everything we do, um, particularly if you consider shareholders in there as well. Um, but, but I do think it's, um, going back to ownership, it's not just the people experience person who will be responsible for this. It's the heads of the various different parts of HR or um, the other functions that I've talked about that, that um, come into contact with employees. It's leaders who are driving the culture of the organization to, to bolster this people experience, managers to set the climate so that employees can flourish, and employees having a voice as well so that they can, they can voice whether or not we should be changing things or improving things or adding things to the offering. I love that. And I love the, I mean, you could say it was obvious, but I think it's a good parallel with the customer experience. And, you know, I passionately believe in service profit chain. It was drummed into me at British Airways uh, and I've, I've lived by it ever since. Enthused, inspired, engaged, motivated talent delivers a great product or service to the customer. Could you see in the crowded world that you rightly describe where the head of customer experience is also head of employee experience? Why not? I think studies have proven that more engaged employees create happy customers. There is, there is a link between the two, so why not? Mm. I, I think some areas of the business may argue that, well, what has my role got to do with customer experience um, and therefore people experience? Um, so you may get some, some challenge there, but, but why not? I think it's a good suggestion. Yeah, I, I think we need to, in the future, look at, some disciplines within HR being run and operated by people outside of HR to mix things up. But we will talk more about that in an upcoming episode when Clancy and I look at the, the future of work. Mark, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk about this with me. No problem. Good to speak. Well, that was a really refreshing conversation. What did you think, Neil? I thought it was great. Really good discussion with Mark. Um, and it made me wonder, Tom, how many of the leaders in his position are asking, how do the various elements of HR 
going to add up to a consistent experience because, you know, finding that red thread that binds is all important. So a really good conversation. Yeah. And it made me think, well, what is the role of the HR director or the chief people officer or the whatever they're called these days? Because isn't it their job to have that holistic overview of HR and make sure that everything is joined up in a compelling and consistent and exciting way? Or maybe actually when they hire the people experience, employee experience head, that's just the sort of brand manager to the marketing director. It made me think of that. Yeah, I mean... Uh, look, it's it's a not it's it's new, right? I think it's I've seen more of these job descriptions coming into play. Yeah. I don't think they're consistent by any stretch. Some are operational, others are mentioning brand, feeling, and emotion. So, you know, I think it's it's new, but it'll be interesting to see how it develops. And you know, could a could a HR director, CHRO, play that role, binding them all together, but yet be seen as the leader as well? I don't I know. Think so. think. I think yeah. so. I think that's what they've got to do. And I suppose it just reminds me that any organization today needs to have a really radical, brave, disruptive look at what it does for its talent and its people. Because not everybody wants to work in the way that we used to work. And that requires different solutions. Well, I also think, Tom, and you mentioned this on the last um, podcast with Clancy, that some people are on a journey and, and some are just passing through the organization and leasing their talent to the organization. So they don't always want the same experience as others, right? Totally, and that's me. Talent leasing. I think it's the way forward. I'd also think though, I, I think employees should be involved in this discussion as well in defining what best, the best possible experience could look like. You know, Mark talked about creating communities and people being involved in a discussion, I think would be really interesting as well. If someone was to take a, an audit of what the current people experience feels like and kind of what the ideal state looks like and what that, you know, priorities are to make that gap up. I think that'd be a really interesting conversation with people on the ground as well. I absolutely love that. Let's shape this community together. So on that note, I think everybody's heard enough from you and me and we will see you soon. Clancy and I will be back uh, in the next episode, I think, unless we change the schedule around. Remember to tell us what you think on LinkedIn or Twitter at Hysterionics. And if you've got any suggestions for uh, episode content or challenges to what we've been talking about, always pleased to hear it. Stay safe, everyone. Bye.